We are the tide from the north. We're brave and we're bold. Defeating our rivals never gets old. Making our way to the Big Sky Conference. Watch out, cause here comes the silver and gold. the club for the vandals of idaho welcome back try from the north brave and bold to the official unofficial podcast of your idaho vandals and the vandals affiliate on the big sky podcast network i'm your host brian marceau joined as always by former producer current co-host i'll get that down someday dallas hammer dallas no i mean you you stretched out nfl shit as long as you can how's it going spokane it is fantastic. For any of our uh, our listeners, uh, I am wearing a Super Bowl champions hat with the Lombardi trophy on the front of it. It is egregiously annoying and awesome. I'm also wearing a Detroit Lions Jared Goff jersey that I promised myself I would purchase if the Rams won the Super Bowl. Thanks to the Lions beating the Cardinals, the Rams getting a first round home game and etc. So the last day that I'm going to be wearing football stuff before I transition into, um, I don't know, who knows if I'll even wear clothes. Hashtag, Hashtag only tubs. Only tubs. Yeah, exactly. Patreon.com backslash tubs and clubs, guys. And jumping to our other guy who, uh, spoiler alert, we're changing order today, which means Martin Heemstra, our producer, who is usually running the show from the background, he is going to be front and center ASAP. So, Martin, how's it going in the 83843? It is going good. It is a good Monday evening, and I'm excited to watch some basketball tonight and hopefully the rest of this week. And the spoiler alert is, look, we're going to talk later on the show about Coach F rounding out his staff. We're going to preview the men's basketball tournament, which tips off on Tuesday or Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday. Martin just uh, fact checked me. Viewers saw that men's tournament tips off on Wednesday. But in honestly, like 20 minutes or so, the University of Idaho women's basketball team tips off. This is going to be the first kind of de facto tubs of the club pregame show where we're going to talk about, we're going to hit the women's last few games of the season, Big Sky Awards, but then slam into previewing because, hey, this is what we've been, this is what we've been talking about all season. Is our women's team going to be ready when tournament comes around? And you know what? Looks like we're doing all right. So jumping right into Around the Bar, brought to us by Hughes River Expedition. I'm going to talk about the games real quick. So last week, Idaho on Monday, before we recorded, beat Portland State by, I think, 35 in Moscow. Portland State looked positively atrocious. And then Idaho travels to Portland State. It was a COVID makeup scenario. That's why we played the same team back-to-back. This game was a little bit closer. Uh, Idaho, Idaho held on for a – wrong page, guys. Idaho held on for a 73-68 to 68 win in portland by the way side note we need to take 10 seconds martin to shit on the portland state broadcast for not being prepped to have a feed for this game yeah espn plus is great but it sucks if the universities do not take care of what they need to idaho did portland state did not that's why viewers didn't get to watch that was a portland state issue not an espn plus issue not an idaho issue not an idaho issue a top five portland state issue but in the one that thing game, i will quickly quickly add to this it might not have been a portland state issue it could have been some tech issue that we don't know about for sure that you probably won't ever know the answer. Can I to. tell you? Well, actually, I heard Portland State didn't even set up a broadcast. They did not, they, yeah, they didn't set up broadcast. They did not set up play by play. 
they just did nothing. They did top five Portland State stuff. So thanks a lot, Portland State. But uh, run through that game real quick. Idaho wins by five, 73-68. Behind Beyonce B's 40 points and seven rebounds. And Tiana Johnson, 16.9 rebounds. Last game of the season in Flagstaff, Idaho could have potentially had a first round buy had they held on for this game. But obvious spoiler alert, we're, we don't have a first round buy. So Idaho lost. NAU wins 86 to 69. Cindy Gandy puts up 22 points, three steals. Beyonce B, 13 points, eight rebounds. Martin, before we get into other stuff that we're going to slam through before we get into our pregame. What's your takeaway from those last two games? Uh, I can't really say much about the Portland State game. I did not. I obviously I could not watch it. I was literally watching the Statcast and Doug Taylor's listening to Doug Taylor's play-by-play for this game. It was a back and forth, and Idaho just could not pull the way in the Portland State game. But they did at the end, and it was nice to see because it would have been. You would not have wanted me to see me go postal if they lost to Portland State. That would have been a not fun, a not fun Martin experience. Then NAU was a bit of a clunker, I'd say. And it was just they ran out of steam early. I don't know if it was maybe the elevation was an issue. I hope not, but it was they held on. They were, I think they're above they were ahead by three in the second in the first half, and then NAU just had a hot, hot second, third quarter and just held on to win Win that last game. Couldn't really continue that magic. Yeah, the the thing that I saw, and I'm going to focus on the Portland State game a little bit more because, look, Northern Arizona, they're solid. They're one of the three teams Idaho was tied with heading into last week of action, competing for those last that last buy spot. So NAU, not a bad team. So, you know, losing to a top five, not a Portland State joking top five, like an actual top five team in conference. That's not what you call a bad loss. I'm going to jump to Portland State games. If you're wondering how Idaho went from winning by 34, 35 to winning by five in the game in Moscow, Portland State shot, I think, 29% on the game. Yeah, 29% on the game, 5.9% from three, one for 17. Then in Portland, uh, Portland State didn't shoot the doors off or anything. They shot 46.9% from the field, 23% from three. But you, what you saw was probably one of the best efforts from Portland State on the season, and Portland State still lost. Martin, Portland State didn't win a single conference game, did they? Nope. They have not won a game since 2021. And I think it was – I want to say it was a non-D1 game, but I'm not – I can't remember off the top of my head for their schedule. And we're going to talk – we'll end up referencing the old Portland State games a little bit when we shift into our like actual pregame, but we have to jump real quick because women's all-conference teams and awards were announced today. Martin, you want to take away how that yeah. uh, impacted our Vandals? First of all, I want to give a quick shout-out to Beyonce being getting Big Sky Player of the Week for a second for a second time this season. Quickly rolling into – See conference awards for Idaho. Louise Forsyth, top reserve, which I think is that. I'm assuming that's six man, right? For yeah, top reserve, six man, same thing. Okay. Okay, I just want to make it's sure the I'm best player right. who right who is not a regular starter. Okay, that's what I thought. I just want to make sure I'm getting that right. And also got all honorable uh, honorable mention. Big Sky, Beyonce was our first. Was a our only other for other player to get in a recognition this year. First team Big Sky did not get Big Sky MVP this year and unfortunately even though she was the preseason big sky player of the year 
that went to uh leanna tillman i think that's how you pronounce it rolling into that now first team big sky conference was a uh, leanna tillman sac state beyond speed idaho darian white montana state all three of those were unanimous selections Carmen G. Feller of Montana got Carmen G. Feller of Montana and Tamika Whitman of Idaho State also round out the five uh, first team selections. And Seton Soboleski was coach of the year. And he coaches at Idaho State. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah, I, I don't have much takeaways other than I know you referenced Beyonce B being for uh, preseason MVP. Well, I mean, hanging on to make first team all league. That's essentially hitting expectations. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, Darian White of Montana State is also another person who would have been the conversation for MVP as well. So with those, having touched on those awards, and congrats uh, to Lise Forsyth and Beyonce B. Martin, we have a game tipping off in 18 minutes for our live listeners, live viewers. It is game the third time in roughly a week and a half Idaho gets to uh, – Hang out with the Portland State Vikings. This time, you know, it's in the, of course, it's in Boise. So that is a neutral site, although in terms of fans, there's probably going to be more of an Idaho contingency there. Uh, hashtag men's team, good God, quit sucking. So we have home court advantage sometime in Boise. But shift it, but previewing the game we have coming up, Martin, what, uh, what would you see as our keys right now for, for Idaho? Because, look, if you're a casual observer, you just saw these last two games. Idaho kills Portland State. Then it's pretty dang close in the second one in Portland. Now we're neutral site. Um, Casual observer might think that looks like it's trending in a way that's concerning for Idaho. Also, beating a team three three games in a row pretty quick can be tough. So what are you looking at uh, as far as what Idaho needs to do to pull away with a victory? They need to control the game from the te- from from tip off. They Idaho needs to just get beyond speed the ball and let her just take over the inside and just dominate over everybody. Show why she should have been the Big Sky MVP this year. Show and just take over and not have those. I want to say it was Doug Taylor kind of described it as the shaky shake the boat kind of wobbly moments where it feels like they're going to lose control lose momentum and it's going to just go the other team's way they need to not have those those moments the other thing that i if you're if you're a vandal fan you're watching the game you know the idaho team relatively well Big name to pay attention to on the Portland State side. Leading score for Portland State both games against Idaho is Esmeralda Morales. The first game, look, when Portland State scored 39, everyone had an atrocious game. Morales shot 514 from the field, picked up 10 points, which was the best output on Portland State. Snagged three rebounds, too. Uh, Morales in the closer game that none of us got to see, thanks, Portland State. Uh, Morales put up 22 points on 9 to 17 from the field. Two of seven from threes, uh, three rebounds, eight assists. So, honestly, she appears to be kind of the engine behind. I mean, Portland State's train is going nowhere. They know they won no games in conference. If they get a first round upset, that is their conference championship. But that looks like if there's a player who's going to have a a, ga- a big game on the Portland State side to make this competitive, looks like Morales is the name to pay attention to. Martin, mm-hmm. I'd agree with that. 
So in addition to obviously Beyonce, uh, she's you know dominating force on the inside. Uh, who else in your mind, or who's a couple of names on the Idaho team who you're looking at to either, uh, if if the term step up is a little bit too strong, uh, we'll go with B. Idaho needs to be to have a sizable contribution from to come away with the win. The other names I'd say to keep an eye out for is uh, Sydney Gandy. I know at some points she'll have like spurts where I think she'll she'll hit like three or four like threes in a row, and just bring instead of being like a two point game, it's now fourteen point lead. She'll have those moments like that, and other times it'll kind of be quiet. I think if you want to have Idaho just blow teams out of the water. I think you need to look at her having a big game. The other one is Tiana Johnson. I know she sometimes can be that presence when Tiana, when Beyonce B is not having that inside post presence that you would like from her. And sometimes Tiana can also shoot the three as well. Granted, I don't know if that should be something she should be doing all the time. Just off of what happened in the NAU game where she started out, I think it was like two for two and, proceeded to miss the next eight shots it was a not big contribution there but it was that's kind of the one thing that i'd say those are the two names and also coming off the bench louise forsyth just because she is that she is ever since transitioning to being that first person off the bench has been that spark idaho has had when things are just not going well for them at that moment yeah tiana johnson shot on the season she shot 39 percent from three which Broadly speaking, pretty good. Now she like all all three shooters, and Newley definitely lets her take some attempts. If you scan through her box scores, I mean, like against Eastern Washington, she put up 13 three attempts. She has multiple games putting up seven or eight, uh, and then you reference the NAU game, which that was a you know rougher shooting output, but uh, still on the season 39 percent, she averages just under 10 points a game. Then uh, Louise Forsyth talked about her off the bench. Um, she she's putting up 12.9 points per game. Now she's 29% from three, 39.5% from the field. So uh, her uh, Louise Forsyth is less likely to, you know, make five threes or something like that. But um, I guess my question for you, Martin, is the season's been up and down for our women's team, but it's in kind of simple terms. It's it started out rough. That counts non-conference and in conference it's stabilized a bit where they play Idaho played themselves into contention for a buy. Are you at all concerned about a first round loss to top five Portland state? Who is the 11th seed top five is of course a joke. Uh, are you at all concerned about a first round loss to Portland state for the women? It's always something you got to consider with you always got to consider it's March madness. I hate to, it's it's March. Anything can happen in the month of March. Um, as if anybody watched the previous game, Weber State just knocked off number se- number ten. Weber just knocked off number seven, Sacramento State. So it's possible for the lower. It's possible, and it's always a possibility that it can happen. And I hope it doesn't. I hope they don't keep their heads down and look ahead to the next game because it granted it is Portland State is not good. I know John Newley on the post game show on the after the Monday game gave Portland State a lot of credit to where to them playing playing Idaho tough and not just keeping their heads down, but Idaho just got to keep just look at it one game at a time if they want to win cuz they this team can go 
as far as it wants to go. They are not, I would not say they are a real, they, they can beat anybody in this conference. Oh, they can. And of course, newly who I like, I don't, this isn't meant as a put down. Yeah. I just haven't met the basketball coach that heading into the tournament game against the team you're going to play is going to say, Oh yeah. Portland state has no conference wins their dog shit. We need to not face plant or we're fine. My, what I want, what I'm looking at is something you've talked about. Martin is a trend for this team is the women have become much better throughout the season uh, closing out of the second half is in a uh, strong third quarter and strong fourth quarter, which is something we saw in the most recent Portland state game, the five point game in that Idaho, Idaho was losing at half by I believe four, you know, I mean, competitive game, whatever. That's not like four is not a big deal, but then Idaho shoots 53% in the third quarter, 75% in the fourth quarter, uh, also, they kind of bailed on the three ball in the second half, but in the first half, Idaho was not shooting threes that well. In the third quarter, they weren't shooting that threes that well either, so we call that a sound adjustment. Um, this time around against Portland State, Martin, you know, first game when Idaho won by 6,000, we shot 28 threes. Uh, second game where it was close, we shot 14. Uh, if, you're, if you're introducing a casual fan to this women's team that's about to tip off, uh, do you expect this to be perimeter oriented again, like it was in the 35 point win or a little more post centric, you know, beyond speed scoring 40 points. It means a lot of our attacks coming from the inside. How do you expect that to look this time around? I, it's hard to say if I was, if I was the coach, I'd probably say go more inside oriented against Portland state. Cause that's what got you your, your big win play a little safer and not rely on the three so much. I know it's kind of hard to say as being John Newley, cause that's B tends to be what he wants to do is shoot the three, but I think it's go with the safer, save the safer route of more inside. Okay. Uh, Martin, before we shift over, we still have about nine minutes before tip off, which is going to buy people time to hang out, learn football news, and then jump over to ESPN plus any points you want to touch on that we kind of flew through. Cause to, to get here, we did talk to three separate sections of women's basketball uh, in terms of closing out the season awards and then previewing this game. Any other points you want to hit on before we transition out? Nope. Just please support this team. I know they had a rough start to the season. They had a, less than stellar ex compared to what preseason expectations were. I'll say it was a less than it was below expectations, but still come out, support this team. They have, I think they, they, everybody needs to support them. They are probably the best team on campus right now with just going just with how everything's played out. Just please support them is all I can say. I have one discussion I want to go for before we shift over. And Dallas, since you're kind of being producer, do you mind throwing up the women's bracket uh, for viewers while we start going through a perfect song? And the thing I want to ask you about, Martin, is, look, Idaho did not end up with a first-round bye. We're at the number six seed. Had we held on for and won our game against NAU, let's say we went out, we're going to be – we'd be either number four or five seed. We'd be playing Montana – in the second round on the same side of the bracket as Idaho state as is Idaho's got Portland state in a few minutes. 
if Idaho wins that, we play Southern Utah, and we did pick up at least one win against Southern Utah. I have the screen blown up, so I can't look at our schedule. Uh, what do you, which option do you like better for Idaho? Have, had we gotten that by, but we're in the other side of the bracket, uh, playing Montana first round, and then very likely Idaho State in our in what would be the semifinal game, or the route we landed on, which though we don't have the buy, like Portland State has no wins. This is, this is as close to a buy as you can get without having one. And then we get Southern Utah as our theoretical match. If we get past Portland State, Southern Utah is who we have to beat to get into the semis on our bracket. Uh, which side do you like better for Idaho? Where we're at or had we gotten that buy and we're in the top half? I'd say I feel more confident with the side we are in now. I know Idaho split with Montana and lost by, I think it was six to Idaho State at home and lost by 40 in Pocatello. I feel more I feel more comfortable going the route there and now having the momentum into a potential Battle of the Domes, Big Sky Championship game. But that's just, that's what I am most feeling comfortable with. So you like being able to, in theory, dodge Idaho State until the final, which yes. Idaho State, broad, they're the presumptive favorite. And I mean, duh, they're the one seed. The one seed's typically the favorite, but like, Idaho State is good at women's basketball. Mm-hmm. So you, you like the side we're on. Let's say Idaho holds on against Portland State, do a 10-second preview of Southern Utah. How What's the matchup of Idaho against Southern Utah in a second-round game look like to you? That one, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be honest. That one's a little more tougher for me to kind of predict right now. Just on, we won by I can't remember the exact score. I, they they lost, yeah, they lost by 22 at Southern Utah in the beginning of December when they were in that like really deep funk, and then beat them by 19 the second time around. It's kind of, I'd feel comf- more comfortable against them just because second time around they can figure stuff out. But it's it's hard for me to say against this team right now. Yeah, Idaho closed the season winning five of their last six. Uh, but in, in terms of tournament matchups, and I'm going to talk about second half of the season, Martin, just because it matches up yeah. a little bit closer to how we understand the women's team right now. Uh, second half of the season, I am I am pointing to the Southern Utah game as the transition point for us to look at. Uh, this Idaho team lost to Montana State. In Moscow, Montana State would be who Idaho would very likely play if Idaho was able to hold on against Southern Utah that uh 35 point loss at idaho state that's the second half of the season game so uh yeah avoiding that till the final is a very good call or beneficial for idaho and as far as other matchups i mean that's really it because i i just don't really think i don't think anyone's that concerned about anyone other than idaho state coming out of the top half of the bracket so i'm gonna say i'm i don't mind where we where we finished out at look i mean this is like in the men's side for the last few seasons whoever played idaho in the first round they essentially had a bye and they got to be in the bottom half of the bracket uh, if you're university of montana against the men last year you probably prefer that versus being in the in the one seed and having to play uh southern utah pretty quick but i'm gonna say this is a good time to jump out uh listeners you got three and a half minutes or so till tip off martin's gonna be jumping off pretty quick as well Dallas, you ready to jump in? And uh, we're going to shift back to football for a minute because there's some real football news. Yeah, it's actually kind of exciting. Excuse me, exciting. God, I got to be better at that. Uh, yeah, I mean, first first transition uh, here, very small uh, update for everybody. Uh, Tucker Rovig, the former Montana State quarterback, has joined Idaho football 
uh, as an offensive GA for quarterbacks and wide receivers. Um, technically, it's not impossible that he could technically play for Idaho next year. He has eligibility remaining. And for anybody that was too terribly concerned with either North Dakota State or uh, Southern Carolina, Zeb Noland actually transferred out of NDSU, went to South Carolina as a grad assistant, and then ended up playing for them in multiple games last year. So there's still a chance that Tucker Ovig has come back to the state of Idaho to play. But realistically, we're just going to see him uh, helping out uh, quarterbacks and receivers. Yeah, there's not a ton to add because no one in the world is going to freak out about who graduate assistants are. And we're going to join everyone else in the world not flipping out about it. But hey, cool to have Tucker Rovig over. He's a big sky guy. Was at Montana State through Jeff Choate's time. And then uh, last year with Brent Vegan. Um, I don't think your graduate assistant is really moving the needle on how your coaching staff is overall. But hey, uh, Tucker Rovig's an Idaho guy. I believe he played at uh, Meridian. In high school. So, you know what? Glad to have him. And yes, Dallas brought up Zeb Nolan playing. Zeb Nolan was terrible at North Dakota State and then terrible at South Carolina. So, hey, they beat an FCS school that had lost 18 of its last 20 games. It wasn't Idaho, but it was a team that was once Idaho bad. So, he did get yeah. a win at South Carolina. I will say an interesting thing about Tucker Rovig's background is. He, he has kind of a – his time at Montana State's a little bit uh, up and down. And I don't mean that in like an interpersonal sense. I think actually in a way that it could be really helpful for a guy who wants to become a coach elsewhere in that he was – Tucker Rovig in 2018 is the presumptive starter, gets hurt, and doesn't play the rest of the season. 2019 loses his starting job to Casey Bauman. Bauman, who was first recruited at a D1 school by Paul Petrino at Idaho, so that lets you know how good he probably was. Uh, Bauman loses his job almost immediately, and then Tucker Rovig comes in, and he's you know he's solid. He's I hate to use the term game manager because people when people use that they just mean he's not a great he's not that great. Uh, Montana State under, under Jeff Choate was not a team that passed it a ton, but hey, he lost starting job, earned his starting job back, and then. Montana State doesn't play in 2020 or the spring. Then 2021, Matt McKay takes over Tucker Rovig's job. He stays with the team and doesn't really take many snaps until the championship game uh, when touchdown Tommy, uh, Tommy Malott. He, he was the new Montana State starting quarterback. He's injured, and then Tucker Rovig plays in a championship game. Montana State loses to North Dakota State, but hey, lots of teams lose North Dakota State. I just bring that up as he's a guy who definitely had up and down uh, career as in, in terms of from his perspective, he had expectations of starting, then injured, then starting. They expect he's going to start, then lose his job. Then he starts again, then loses his job to recruitment, but he stuck around. Uh, there's probably, if you're a guy who thinks sports are supposed to have life lessons about dealing with adversity, that's a guy who definitely stuck it out. And, you know, kudos to him. I have nothing else to add about grad assistance. Same. Uh, just shout out uh, Patty Furks mentioning uh he was a great teammate throughout the the mckay and malott situation he got his job taken by a linebacker at one point like the guy seems like a great dude so uh happy to have him around but again he's a ga we're not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about him correct all right the that takes us on to our next staff news uh this is a slightly more important no offense to, to tucker rovig uh 
we have now hired our final football coach, outside linebackers coach. Brian, do you want to tell the people who he is? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, new new head coach, or sorry, new outside linebacker coach, who is not our head coach. Outside linebacker coach uh, Capona Aswega is joining Jason X staff. Uh, initially, this was a little bit of a surprise, uh, honestly, be, just because we thought we had linebackers taken care of. Uh, Orich is inside linebackers. But you know what? Uh, Idaho needs to improve on the defensive end. And I do not mind that this year's staff looks like we have a couple extra coaches on hand. And Aswega has, kind of like Eck has had through a handful of his guys he's had to staff, like Aswega's earlier in his coaching career. He has he has a background that, honestly, again, a lot of a lot of ex guys they've come from a they have a background that I like in that it isn't all direct stepping up from I don't know like a positional coach to a coordinator at the same level. You know, Oswega most recently was um, he was an assistant coach at New Mexico Highlands, which is a D two school. He was assistant uh, assistant head coach, defensive line coach, and community outreach director uh, also was a graduate assistant at Liberty. So that, that helps explain a little bit of kind of a atypical background. As far as recruitment, he also spent three years as a defensive line coach at golden West college, which is junior college in California. So we just referenced a guy whose foot, his footprints kind of all over the nation in terms of the type of recruits he might pull, but you know, Dallas, he also came highly recommended from a former Vandal. Yeah, Mike Ayupati is actually the guy who recommended uh, recommended Capono Oswega as our new out, outside linebackers coach. Uh, X said in the quote uh, about the press release, uh, he spent some time at a junior college, so that's good, making us uh, at helping us make some inroads there. Brings D1 experience from his time at Liberty. I like the guys that have done the dirty work that you have to do at D2. He's a relentless recruiter and finally was highly recommended by Mike Ayupati. So uh, being being recommended by one of the greatest Vandals of all time and probably the, the best Vandal in the last 20, 30, 40 years, uh, you, you can't can't hope for more than that. Um, additionally, uh, you know, he was just a GA. Again, we don't spend a whole lot of time talking about GAs, but when he was a GA at Liberty, they did have a guy, uh, Jesse Lemonier, who is uh, one of the FBS leaders in sacks that year. Uh, signed a UDFA deal with the Chargers and then ended up starting two games for the Lions last year, had a sack and a half with them. So uh, has has familiarity with guys that that went on and, and played played in the big leagues. So uh, couldn't be more thrilled about, about bringing this guy in. Yeah, and one of the things that I like about X staff that is just different than the, the previous staffs is, again, uh, younger-ish. And I, I really do not mind that we have an extra coach on the defensive side. We joked about it last re, last week with Rob Orich. And in our private, in our Discord chat, hashtag only tubs, honestly, a lot of our talk in that group isn't about quarterbacks. And it's not about some of the sexier positions. It's questions like, okay, how, how in God's name do we have, can we not have the worst pass defense in the league? How can we shore up? defensive line linebacking core that just just had a lot of talent graduate or declare for the draft and look just one positional coach obviously doesn't fix that but having another guy where you can look at his recruitment background in terms of where he's coached at and it's a little bit different than a couple other guys on staff and honestly a lot of guys have kind of different footprints in terms of covering a lot of the west coast a little bit of the midwest 
and you know some of the southern uh, southwest United States. Uh, you know, hey, uh, Swega has background at Liberty. That's East Coast, so not bad to have some someone over there. And it just feels every step of the way. It just feels like a new Idaho football is moving in a direction we should be excited about. We're kind of closing in on not having much other football stuff to talk about because now this brings X staff to 10 guys. And our next kind of big moment is spring game, April 30th. So I guess Dallas, before we shift over to men's basketball, what, like, how are you feeling or what are you paying attention to football wise? Cause look, we're still going to be mining for football stories because that's what people care about the most. Uh, you hear this news that the coaching staff is rounded out. What else are you looking for? What else is going to get your bat signal up between now and April 30th? I mean, I'm assuming we're going to continue to see some recruits uh, file in and in and out here, uh, especially as they start trying to build their recruiting class for 2023. Uh, if anybody is listening and is not a member of our Patreon page, uh, again, patreon.com backslash tubs at the club. Uh, Martin is fantastic at keeping up with recruits. And that's honestly where I hear everything about the, the future Vandals. Martin has this innate ability to go find a recruit the second he tags Idaho football in it. Um, it's internet wizardry. That's what I'm looking forward to, seeing the, the kind of where these new coaches are going to be reaching out and and bringing in new recruits from, see what uh, what changes in in the recruiting landscape between the the Petrino era, which again put up a bunch of top classes, but maybe the results on the field didn't quite show it. Be very interested to see what this uh, this new iteration of Vandal football is going to be doing out there. Can we pause really quick and just acknowledge you and I? Look, Martin's not here, so I I, I absolutely value Martin's work on recruitment stuff. He does it way better than I ever could. Mm-hmm. Can we all just accept that the recruitment ratings mean very close to nothing? because it's strictly based off whether people know you exist. Now, broadly speaking, like the number one recruit probably doesn't suck. And the number 6,000 recruit is probably not making the NFL. But in terms of like recruiting class ranking, look, again, Idaho knows this for a fact that clearly those things do not matter. But what I think does matter is last football thing I want to touch on. Look, everyone talks about the transfer portal, which, hey, matters. It exists. It's here. Live with it. Uh, we all know about recruiting four-year guys. I mean, Eck had talked about both of those recruitment routes as places he's going to be mining. But he's got minimum three guys with junior college background. Thomas Ford has spent some time at a JC. Stanley Franks spent some time as a def- defensive coordinator as a JC. And now we've got Aswaga, another JC guys. So I guess the thing I'm paying attention to in terms of closing out the class, the roster for this next season Maybe, I think people might be underselling JC recruits we'd be paying attention to. I see. I took that a completely different way. I took that as, oh, look, this coaching staff got here based on their hard work instead of their last names. There is that option too. But I just bring it up because there's essentially two routes people tend to talk about now, and there is a third. But now that we've um, – look, we've we've exhausted the football news we have, which is two new dudes. We're going to be mining for new stuff in the future, but – at this point, we're uh, we're definitely going to be mining for football news because until April 30th, there's not going to be a ton of updates for us to do unless we can talk. We can get someone who's actually watching practices, like a coach, on to talk about how practices are going. It's veggies time, Dallas, which means before we purge, and there's not that many listeners in this moment to purge, which we're not going to read that low number because it's gigantic. It's not low. 
before we before we shift over to talk about the men's basketball team, aka veggies, aka that thing rack of tits will not shut up about, but we love you. Um, this has been around the bars brought to you by Hughes River Expedition. If you are looking for a great all-inclusive week-long vacation, don't look past your backyard. Venture into the largest protected wilderness in the continental U.S., located right here in the great state of Idaho. Enjoy a multi-day trip down the Middle Fork of the Salmon, the main Salmon River No Return, the Salmon River Canyons, or the Selway. You can even check out special trips like the one to see the Persed Meteor Shower. Camp on pristine beaches, run amazing whitewater, hike scenic trails, spot wildlife, soak in beautiful natural hot springs, take in the history along the river, and fish some of the most remote stretches of river in the country. You just bring your clothes, let HRE handle the rest. Hughes River Expeditions has been vandal owned and operated since 1976, ready to take you on a vacation of a lifetime. What are you waiting for? Find out what it's like to grab a paddle, catch dinner, and ride the bull all throughout the gem state. Call now at 800-262-1882 or check them out at HughesRiver.com. And if you're a listener, you don't know, you may not know what I was talking about on our live show. We have listeners who uh, contribute messages that we will sometimes read throughout the day. And Rack of Tit 69 has been going on and on accusing us of filibustering the veggie section, which is only kind of true. But hey, basketball update, aka eat your vegetables is here. So Idaho has two, we have two games heading into our tournament, which we're going to roll slam through a little bit on the quicker side than talk about our tournament game. First, Idaho against top five Portland State in Moscow. Idaho goes down 79 to 68. Idaho shoots 39.7% from the field, while Portland State shoots 48.4% from the field, which is right around that 50% mark that we have talked about so many damn times of, look, Idaho surrenders 50% shooting, and whatever. That's that's it. Uh, As far as leading Idaho in this game, Idaho was paced by Trayvante Anderson with 24 points who on 6 of 16 from the field, and Trayvante also picked up 10 rebounds, but also uh, but had eight turnovers as well. So, hey, that is not fantastic. To close out the season, senior night in Moscow, Idaho holds on to be NAU 78 to 69 in a game that no one deserved to finish with 69 points because that was not what I'd call a nice game. Uh, Idaho is led by Mikey Dixon, scores 27 points on 9 of 14 shooting. Trayvante Anderson, another big game. Shot only three and nine for the field, but still put up 16 points because he shot 10 to 12 from the foul line. Rashad Smith chips in 10. Dallas, you've been filibustered. Uh, what are a couple, what some takeaways you have from those last two, last two outings we got before our conference tournament, which we will be talking about pretty quick. So the first takeaway is the Portland State game was like the microcosm of Idaho basketball, all within the fir- the all within those 40 minutes. Uh Idaho at one point had 10 turnovers and five points in the first seven minutes of the of that game. And it looked like, holy shit, here we go, uh, coming fresh off of getting absolutely shellacked uh, by Sac State. Can I jump I, in for one second? Yes, go for we it. We had turnovers on our first six possessions. I was live tweeting that game, and I can't, like I would I sent out a message, Idaho, only three turnovers in our first three possessions. And I kept having to resend the message. We, seriously, Idaho didn't even get a shot up until almost four minutes of game time had elapsed interruption. It, it was atrocious. It was honestly, it was the worst like seven minutes of basketball I think I've ever seen. And I'm pretty sure I said that like four different times last year. So it just finding new lows here. And then Idaho ends up leading at halftime because they shot five from seven for three. 
And then you look at the second half box score and they went 0 for 8 from behind the arc in the second. So that's it's, it's Idaho basketball in a nutshell. They can shoot themselves out of danger. And then if the shots aren't falling, everything falls apart. Uh, so that, that was pretty typical. Uh, ended up being an 11-point loss there. The NAU game I went to is the first time I've gone and seen a game in the new arena. I have to say ICCU arena absolutely lived up to all of the hype. Uh, the place was pumping. Uh, it was probably, uh, again, you see the attendance, it was listed at 1442. Uh, probably a whole bunch of room to grow from that number, but it was it was actually loud. It was actually like a an entertaining, fun atmosphere to be in, even if the, the basketball itself wasn't great. But shout out to Mikey Dixon, uh, making your senior year count, going 27 points, uh, 9 for 14 from, uh, from the field, 3 of 6 from 3, perfect from the free throw line. Uh, perfect way to end your career uh, in front of the home fans. Uh, obviously, not going to not going to be in the front of the home fans again. Uh, pretty good way to go out if you're Mikey Dixon uh, and just the the one year stop off. Portland State. The my main takeaway is that game. It was an eleven point game. Idaho lost by seventy nine sixty eight. That was one of the weirdest 11-point games because in the first half, I honestly don't know if I've ever seen worse basketball. Then Idaho stabilized to keep it competitive in spite of all those turnovers because we did shoot. We, we shot real well, which that's been, a, like, that's been a theme we've talked about with Idaho basketball this season is for Idaho to win games. They, have to sh- they just have to shoot real well or they're not going to win their games. But again, like, like you said, the sec- second half for Idaho – you know, the bottom just fell out. First half, we shoot 50% from the field, 71% from three. Second half, we're 30% from the field, 0% from three. And the final five minutes is honestly a perfect bookend to how the game started. Of you know, it, was a three, it was a round of three-point game, and then Idaho just face-planted away. Um, and honestly, they shouldn't have been competitive that game at all. We made Idaho made 23 field goal attempts. We had 22 turnovers. So last season's dreaded turnovers to field goals made ratio was very close to making a, another appearance. Um, we'll say NAU game, couple trends to just look at. Mikey Dixon had one of his better games. He, he's actually been on a cold streak relative to how he started off conference season for quite some time. So it was nice to see Mikey Dixon put in, so start to make some of those tough driving shots that he'd been missing for a while. But also against NAU, he made more shots where his field goals were assisted than he'd done for a while. A lot of Mikey scores he creates, which part of that's because he's a, he's a good penetrator. He can make tough shots, but honestly, I think for a better situation for how Idaho has evolved is Mikey having some shots where it's catch and shoot situation a little bit more because Trevante Anderson who shot poorly, like he's honestly been the offensive engine for Idaho for a lot of the second half of the season, especially like our last five or six games, which is not awful news because Trevante is back for next season. We're going to jump to, previewing the Sacramento state game, big sky men's all conference awards have not been announced, but there should honestly not be a first team guy on Idaho, even though we won six conference games, which feels like a thousand compared to last year. Idaho just certainly shouldn't be there. Also look, Patrick brought this up. We just missed it. Um, Philip Pebble jr. Had a couple consistent, solid, solid games. Uh, he's scoring the way he needs to, which is opportunistically in terms of putbacks, but he's also getting some oops and some, some close shots off of rolls. Philip Pebble's never going to be like a primary force on offense, but uh, 
he's he's looked a lot better in that regard last couple of games, but also he's played a little bit better man-on-man defense than he had early in the season, where initially I didn't know if anyone could surrender position closer to the hoop than Philip Pebble. He hasn't been like that the last couple of games, which as a final positive trend, kind of positive because look, we went one and one in our last two games and it's not like we played world beaters. Portland state is dead middle of the conference and NAU sucks. Um, we finally had two consecutive games with defensive rating below 100 against division one teams. So that's great. And Last, I, I lied. Last thing, Dallas, I'm going to throw this to you. Shift to the NAU game. Because, look, we there were some – we're glad we got the win. You're right. ICCU was a, is a great arena to watch games in. Mm-hmm. We messaged each other during that game. I find – I found watching NAU-Idaho just unbelievably frustrating both times this season because NAU is terrible. They're the opposite terrible of Idaho. Mm-hmm. They just can't score. They're Defensively, they're okay. But offensively, they have no sh- – I mean, Jalen Cohn is like one of their shot creators, but he shot 38% on the season. He honestly wouldn't even he wouldn't even start at a place like Weber State, and he was one of the top three scorers in the league because he gets to shoot it essentially whenever he wants. NAU missed a ton of wide-open threes in Moscow, so I know I teased a kind of good defensive effort. I don't think that was a good defensive effort against NAU. I think they just missed shots. But I, I found the game rough to watch because it was just the mirror image of Idaho. Idaho can score. We can be fun in for long stretches, which we've talked about that, and I appreciate that. Yep. But NAU is frustrating because it brought it to me back to where we are. That NAU game, both NAU games are competitive wire to wire because just neither team's good. I mean, that, that's exactly it. For anybody that's, that sees the box score I've got up, Jalen Cohn, their, their leading scorer, shot 23 times. Uh, out of fifty, out of sixty-five shots, he took 23 of them. Uh, and it, it wasn't like he was on fire. Uh, he was just the one guy running around trying to find some sort of opening to throw up a terrible basket. Uh, it was, it was ugly. Uh, their starters, uh, Keith Heyman, five for 15 Carson tout who fouled out. And I yelled get out of here because I thought it was really stupid. Uh, two for seven, Nick Maines, two for 11. Like they just, they, they were bad offensively. They, they are like Idaho defensively. It does not look like they have any idea what they're doing. They're just kind of standing around hoping to God, the ball's going to go in the hoop. And it shockingly doesn't very often. Uh, It's, it's awful basketball. And while I was kind of disappointed in how poor the game was, there was a very brief moment of thinking, Hey, look, Idaho might play this team again in the tournament and Idaho might be able to win a game because this team is not very good. And then sure enough, Sac state had to ruin the party by upsetting Montana. And here we are, but there was that brief glimmer of hope I had of, hey, Idaho might actually win a tournament game. And I did not expect to ever say that going into this year. Uh, but here we are. We're Which not spoiling it. Yeah, Idaho is going to play Sacramento State on Wednesday. Idaho finished number nine in conference. The, well, we're in the 8-9 game. Dallas, can you put up the graphic real quick just so I'm we get that correctly? Trying to. The other browser just crashed. Give me a second. That's cool. I'll just keep talking. Um, Idaho, we play Sacramento State. It doesn't really matter about 8-9 because it, look, we're playing the same team. It's the neutral floor. The technical home team is irrelevant. And the winner of this game will play number one Montana State. So we're on the top half of the bracket. If Idaho is able to win, we're going to have realistically one of the toughest matchups we could have for our second game, which 
whatever. Look, you finish in the bottom third of the conference. You don't, there are no easy routes to a conference tournament. If you are finishing top, bottom four in a conference, Sacramento state is a much rougher matchup for Idaho than Northern Arizona. And you can honestly see that in just how Idaho played Sacramento through Sacramento state in our two games this season, uh, early on or earlier in the season in Moscow, Idaho held on for, this was January 22nd, Idaho held on for a 73-72 win in overtime in Moscow. More recently, and I bring this up because Sacramento State, they have a setup this season like Idaho had in Zach Claus's first season in that for Brian Katz was the Sacramento State head coach heading into the start of the season. It would have been his 14th season at Sacramento State. Out of nowhere midsummer, due to health concerns, Brian Katz had to retire. And Brandon Laird was named interim head coach. Sacramento State did not have a particularly great season, which is, like, I don't mean this as a put down. No one expects Sacramento State to be a powerhouse in basketball. Just look at the facility they have that's, that nine people fit into. But Sacramento State, look, they tied with us on the season, finishing 6-14 and 14 in league play. But... Sacramento State really picked it up for them towards the end of the season. I mean, they closed out, they fit, they closed regular season with a win on the road in Montana, in addition to beating us by 35, 32 is how much Sacramento State beat us by in the second showing. And regardless of which showing you're going to look at for Sacramento State against Idaho, one of the things you're going to have to pay attention to in this game is does Idaho have any prayer of slowing down Bryce Fowler, which we absolutely could not do this season in our most recent game when Idaho lost by 32 Fowler scored 23 points on nine of 15 shooting in the, in the first game Idaho played against Sacramento state Fowler absolutely dominated the second half of that game. Fowler was absolutely the reason why that game in Moscow went into overtime, scored 22 points on 10 to 17 shooting that game as well. He has kind of a weird game in that he's a wing, but he posts up guards and scores quite well, has a very, very good touch around the basket. I, I got to say Dallas this uh, because a big question for Idaho is one, can we shoot it over 50% and two, can we at least make Bryce Fowler not look like an MVP of the league? He's going to be a first team all league guy. I mean, that's that's what, exactly what it's going to come down to is realistically, I view this as Bryce Fowler versus Mikey, who which which one of these guys is going to take over the game and that the guy who ends up taking over the most is the team that's going to win because it's one guy carrying a, a team that's flawed, uh, I think, is the, is the best way to say it. I I got to be honest, I don't feel great about Idaho's chances here. Uh, Sac State played really well to end the season. Uh, at one point, they were the worst team in conference, uh, beat Idaho State by five shortly before at creaming Idaho 83-51, to 51, then beat Eastern 81-75, uh, to 75, went on the road and lost to Montana State by six, and then beat Montana. So really good showings in their last five games. Uh, they did lose previously. Before that, they were on like a five, six-game losing streak. So not, not great from uh, Sac State this season, but... Again, they finished above Idaho in the standings because of this run that they just went on to end of the year. Uh, in my head, you, you take the hot team, you take the the team with the best player. As much as I love Mikey Dixon, I think Bryce Fowler is the best player in this game. I just don't see, 
I don't see Idaho being able to stop Fowler. I feel like Sacramento State kind of figured out in that second game what they needed to do to get their offense going against what you would call defense from the Vandals. Uh, and I just, I don't, maybe it's just the, the, the punch in the mouth of we were riding a win streak and feeling good and lose by 32 to the, what was the worst team in the conference. I just don't see it. I, I, I don't feel good about this. I, I feel like Fowler's going to have a monster game. The other two names you need to pay attention to on Sacramento state, Zach Chappelle, who scored about 30 in the first game in Moscow. He averages 11.7 in the conference season. William Fitzpatrick averages 11.2 in the conference season. Uh, Zach Chappelle is a solid three shooter at 38% in the conference season. William Fitzpatrick is a very solid three shooter at 43% in the conference season. And the question I'm going to look at from the Idaho end is first, can, well, can we turn into a track meet? Cause Sacramento state plays us. They like to slow it down. Idaho was a little bit better. First time we played Sac state and having a faster pace wasn't really the case the second time. Uh, but the follow-up question on the defensive end that Dallas, you alluded to one thing Sacramento state did against Idaho, particularly in the second half of that game is I Sacramento state posted up the Idaho guards a ton. Idaho didn't really rotate defensively. And like Bryce Fowler just got a, an army of five footers and Fowler was not the only guy who did that too, but that was one of the very clear tactics that, uh, Sacramento State coach Brandon Laird used against Idaho and Sacramento was to put a Fowler's about 6'5. So for a big sky wing, he's tall ish. When he gets matched up on a guy like Trevante Anderson or a guy like Mikey Dixon, if he's going to post up, we absolutely need to send help. Idaho did not send help against Fowler in either game, in either in Moscow or Sacramento State, which I'm going to guess coach Brandon Laird absolutely loves that kind of matches the strat, the defensive strategy that has had the entire season of, we don't look like we have a team defensive concept. So I don't know how we're going to stop Fowler from getting points inside. And that's what opens up looks for Chappelle and Fitzpatrick is wing posts up. It's not centers posting up for Sacramento state. They don't have talent like that. It's Fowler getting penetration or posting up. And if he's doubled, he kicks out. If he's not doubled, he is just going to shoot until he, until the game, the, the buzzer says the game's over and he converts at a pretty high percentage inside. I mean, we've, we've talked about uh, Philip Pebble jr. Looking pretty good uh, recently. He's going to have to have 18 help side blocks to feel, feel better about this game. I just don't, I don't, I don't see it. Like, like you said, uh, posting up the guards and getting all those shots from in close uh, Sac state had 32 points in the paint in the first game uh, where Idaho snuck out the win in overtime. 42 points in the paint uh, in the the disgusting blowout they're going to just they're going to get to the hoop and they're going to they're going to score uh, unless Christensen and Peppel Jr end up having the games of their lives defensively uh as, as just coming in and, and helping and, and picking up a ton of uh not worthless blocks but help side blocks just getting off of your guy and swatting the guard as he's going up for his layup that's that's the best hope and prayer this team has i think I, it's, I just don't see it this is an awful stylistic matchup for idaho uh felt much better if again if sac state had lost to montana idaho would have played nau as the eight seed in the eight nine game instead the nine seed in the eight nine game against sac state just a terrible matchup here i just don't see how how we we have a chance in this uh, my mikey has to score 50 uh, that i just Can don't I, feel it i want to push back on that 
I don't think Mikey needs to score 50. Because when a lot of Mikey's games, when he scored a ton, look, he scored a ton against Weaver State, and that absolutely was part of why we held on. But when Idaho's had some of their better games, it's not Mikey as the guy who's scoring, you know, who's exclusively scoring. It's we're getting contributions from Rashad Smith, who he he doesn't create as many of his own scoring looks. He's a second. He he creates he scores off of, of shots created by driving kicks from guys like Trevante. And this is the individual player that I'm paying most attention to. Trevante Anderson in the 32 point loss to Sacramento State. Anderson scored four points on one of three shooting with six turnovers in the game. Idaho held on for the overtime win. Trevante led us in scoring 17 points, six and nine from the field, three assists, four rebounds. I think what Idaho has to do, look, if we're going to push the pace, we have to have Trevante uh, creating havoc through penetration. He's got to be drawn fouls. He's got to be finishing, which is a big deal for Trevante. If he can get that extra half step to turn his shoulder, he get he's a solid finisher. But if he's if he doesn't get that extra half step, that's when he has his lower uh, lower percentage outings, or when he starts shooting jumpers and he just needs to not be a jump shooter other than catch and shoot wide opens. The last offensive key, Tanner Christensen was better through much of the second half of the season. What happened, the big development for him is he became much more effective at getting very deep position. So if Idaho is going to be able to, to win this, we just have to be able to blitz them offensively, which means Tanner has got to be effective getting position inside. Trevante is going to have to create offense for himself through penetration and for others through driving kicks. And then we're going to have to make jump shots. That includes Rashad Smith shooting well. Look at, and in most of our wins, Rashad Smith shot a very, very, high percentage, like around 80% into in the Montana and Eastern Washington wins. But look, Mikey Dixon's going to have to make catch and shoot shots. Yusuf Saleh, if he is, not, if Yusuf Saleh is not making jump shots, he doesn't really justify his time on the court. Idaho's got to make threes. We have to, we have to create havoc through driving kicks and we have to hit threes or there is, that is the way Idaho can be competitive this game. I mean, you, we kind of alluded to it with the the NAU talk. I know that was kind of a sloppy game, but Trevante having seven assists there and a lot of Mikey's scoring coming off of assists. That's what that's what we need. That's where I was saying score fifty. Not I don't I don't want to see fifty points of ISO ball with Mikey. I would like to see Trevante get ten assists, kicking out to ten threes to to Dixon. That it was an it was a okay game plan against uh, NAU. NAU is obviously not phenomenal. Sac State, I think, uh, is going to be much more prepared to probably beat the shit out of Idaho. But uh, that's that's what we need to see. I mean, you hit it on the head. Trevante has to create. Uh, again, I, I I just by default think Mikey's got to lead the team in scoring, and he's got to do it by a lot. But uh, it's certainly certainly we have to see uh, Trevante get, getting those assists. Uh, I would love to see Yusuf Salah hit more shots. Um, he seemed to do better at that when he came off of the bench uh, in in previous games. Now, Jameel King did start for senior night. Uh, I don't know if he's going to start again. He played 28 minutes. He hasn't played a, a ton this season and, and typically is not a starter. We could see that again, maybe start him, put, play Salah off the bench like he was doing fairly well in as a reserve uh, to start the year and then kind of got cold when he became a starter. But uh, it'll be interesting to see. As uh, the, the one thing you mentioned – uh, they're going to have to hit threes. Uh, we could see more of Gabe Quinette. He hasn't played a whole lot the second half of the season, but uh, if they 
if they're at a point where they need a guy to shoot threes, I mean, Gabe is the guy that he comes in and shoots threes. That's realistically what he's there to do. So you could see a little bit more of that. Uh, but again, it comes down to the same thing it's come down to all season. If Idaho is on fire, hitting all their shots, they've got a chance. If they shoot under 40%, probably not going to be very close. You mean under 40% from three, right? Yes. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. The reason why I want to specify that is Dallas. We always, we have these impromptu games talking about Idaho basketball. How many wins D one wins does Idaho have with an offensive rating below 100? We've got seven D one wins on the season. How many of those came with an offensive rating below 100? I want to say zero. I don't think I'm right about that. I'm guessing it's going to be one and you're going to smack me in the head for one that I completely missed, but I'm going to say zero. Yeah. You missed one Sacramento state in Moscow. We had a 97.3 offensive rating that game. Otherwise our worst, our next worst offensive rating in a win was 108 against Northern Arizona. And I I bring that up because shifting back, some listeners might've been like, well, Brian, yeah, if everyone makes all their shots, they should win, right? No, like that's the point. Idaho has to play exceptionally well on the offensive end to have any prayer of of winning games. We have one exception. It was at home and we barely won against Sac State. So if you want to bring up like, well, hey, this is that same Sacramento State team. Sure, this is a Sacramento State team that there's reason to explain why they came together in a second half and looked a bit different than they did in the first half. And I got to say, I think Sacramento State we're playing is much closer as a matchup to the guys we saw at the end of the season than what we did earlier in the season in that if I'm Montana state, I am definitely rooting for Idaho to win this game because if I'm Montana state, Sacramento state can reasonably be competitive in second round. Idaho's not going to. So if Idaho's going to do, if Idaho's going to have a chance, we're going to have to shoot real well, which brings me to an asterisk. I don't know if Idaho could have a worse tip off time. And look, I could be wrong because I know teams don't always practice when their games are because obviously it just wouldn't work to always have practice during school late, you know, 7 o'clock, 7.30 at night. Idaho tips off at 9.30 Mountain Time, which if you're a Moscow dude, that's an 8.30 game time. The guys are going to be there, obviously, for that one hour to not be a huge deal. But I, if you're a team that needs, if you're a team that needs to win by hitting shots, Honestly, I would much. I would hope, if I'm the coach, that the game feels like a more normal game. This is going to be atypical. This is more the tip-off I would want if I'm Sacramento State. And a key to our team winning is the other team just, look, if we can keep the score low, we're, our team's probably doing fine. And that's what Sacramento State's want, State wants. I'd want the early tip-off if I'm them. them. If I'm Idaho, man, I actually think that time could be a problem. Because, look, the intensity that early in the morning – uh, if Idaho is going to have fans at the game, you know, for because it is a de facto home court advantage for Idaho if we didn't suck, except we're playing at 8.30 a.m., I think it's I, – I think structurally that, that setup Dallas is a bit rough for Idaho. Yeah, I mean, that's that's not awesome. That's about the worst time you could possibly ask to, to tip off uh, a game. Um, I know that these guys are college athletes. Uh, they're not paid to do this, but a lot of them, you know, they – you know they they treat you treat this as serious as a job and they're not again i'm not gonna say professionals but like this is what you're like you're training for to play whenever 
I would imagine most of the people listening to this probably went to college in Moscow, Idaho, or have some sort of affiliation and probably understand how difficult it is to do anything at eight o'clock in the morning uh, when you're just a regular college kid just trying to wake up and put pants on and go to class. Um, 830 is not a great time for for a team. And you know both teams are going to have to deal with that. 8:30 is just a that is an awful time. Uh, it's the the one drawback of the Big Sky Conference tournament is that you play these terrible, terrible, terrible games at 8:30 on a Wednesday. You're going to have 15 people show up to to the arena to watch it, and almost nobody actively following it along at at work. Like it, it's just it, that's, that's the worst time. You get it in the afternoon, yeah, you can kind of slack off a little bit. 8.30 in the morning is right when people are, you know, trying to look productive for the their first bit of their day. So it's just it's just not a great, not a great scene all around. Um, but if this game goes very poorly, then fantastic. Nobody had to watch it. That's that's the one drawback I have to this is or a non-drawback to this is hey, if if this is goes as poorly as we're afraid it's going to, it happened at 8:30 in the morning and nobody had to watch it. Uh, one thing I did want to point out that I, I feel like we we missed uh covering. Uh, Brian, you specifically called out William Fitzpatrick as somebody to watch. Uh, we, we alluded to it cause I had the box scores up in that first game where Idaho won in overtime, Fitzpatrick had zero points. So th- that's probably not going to happen again. It's another reason why this game's probably going to look closer to the second game than the first game where Fitzpatrick had 15 points and went five or nine from the field, uh, threw in seven rebounds as well Had his worst game of the season against Idaho in the first go round. Uh, probably not going to see a repeat performance of that. The, the caveat being that Zach Chappelle for Sacramento state had his best game of the season. The first time we played scoring 30. So you're correct. I, I mean, honestly, I don't think we're necessarily going to get either of those repeated and honestly, an Idaho shot. Look, I shot 32.7% in the first game. In the, sorry, the most recent game against Sacramento State. I hope we don't have a repeat of something like that because, good God, uh, is it going to be a long, early game if that's the case. Before we do our preview or our pick, which I think we've already done the pick more or less, we had uh, questions about the score in the group chat for the women's game. Right now, uh, two minutes and change left in the second quarter. Idaho women have a 16-point lead against top five, a.k.a. last place Portland State. So... Uh, concerns about a face plant in the first round look to be gone for our women. Obviously, there's a second half, but also Portland State sucks. So the second half comeback, I don't expect to be there. Um, Dallas, two things. Do, do I, I don't care about score prediction. Who wins and is it close? Uh, Sac State wins, uh, obviously, and it depends. How? What would you define as close? Um, sub Double digit is our dividing line. If it's, if Let me rephrase that, not double digits. Let's call seven points the dividing line, just because I mean, like my definition of close is result felt like it was in question for the majority of the game. Sac State wins. Uh, it does not feel like it's particularly close at any point throughout the game. Idaho closes the gap at the end and makes it feel a little closer just by the score. But anybody that watched it, it really wasn't that close. Idaho ends up losing by six. I hate that I have to do this. But look, I'm scanning through our last few games. Count Northern Colorado in here as well as a reference point, even though we're not playing Northern Colorado. We had to shoot 55.6% against Northern Colorado and 48% from three to still lose by four. 
Idaho has one win on the entire season, D1 win. Well, actually, one win total because our Bible college games were, in, were at ICCU. Idaho has one total win this season away from ICCU. That was against Portland State early in the season. Portland State, they have a new head coach. They also kind of coalesced later in the season. So that was a not as good Portland State team we played early that we picked up the win against. I think if the easiest pick here is, look, Idaho has one total win when we're not in Moscow, we, we finished with a surprisingly good record relative to being seven and 21 against D one teams on the season. Idaho is six and seven at home, which again, shockingly good relative to our overall record. Well, Idaho was one and 12 on the road. Oh, and two in neutral court games. That is one and 14 away from ICCU. There is no world where you should pick Idaho to win. Honestly, I think it's probably going to be like a low double-digit game because Idaho has to just shoot so dang well to hang in. And Sacramento State, they're kind of st- – if if Idaho could play any defense whatsoever, the style matchup Sacramento State doesn't really matter that much. But we can't, so it does. Sac State's going to win by, I think, about 12. We chose to not preview Montana State because, uh, look, if we get there – I'm fine saying, hey, this is my fault, dudes. We should talk about this. Let's do a quick pregame show for fun if uh, time allows, but I'm not really concerned about it. I think that's good to close out the night. We're an hour, 10 minutes. Dallas, before we, before we call it a day, anything else you want to touch on before we move on? Uh, I do want to, to point that out. Uh, I finally have the bracket up. So, again, uh, 8.30 in the morning for our Pacific time, folks, 9.30 in the morning on Wednesday for our Mountain Time weirdos. Uh, again, if Idaho somehow happens to beat Sac State, they do play the number one team, Montana State. That's Thursday, March 10th. That would be noon for our weirdos in Mountain Time and 11 a.m. for the rest of us. Meaning uh, there will be no – even if we win, there will be no pregame show. No, not a chance. Um, there will be a lot of uh, questionable content on only Tubbs. Again, www.patreon.com backslash Tubbs at the club. Patrick brings up a point from uh, the chat that it can also be tougher for teams to shoot inside bigger arenas, which explains Idaho shooting 33 sub 33% in Sacramento because the nest you need to, everyone needs to Google Sacramento state basketball facility or arena arena is a joking term that they see it like 500 people, but uh, the Boise venue is going to be comparable in size to what ICCU is, but it will be different. And it's a hockey venue, not a basketball venue. So it, the, out the, Frame of reference for a shooter is going to be different, but we're going to move on. Fingers crossed that we're wrong. Don't think we will. Fingers crossed that uh, very quickly after Idaho losing the first round, we have an emergency show uh, to discuss changes coming into the team. We chose to not focus on that because we got a conference tournament coming up, but um, we're, I will be absolutely not floored if we have an emergency podcast not too long after our season ends, maybe the end of the conference tournament. That is not from intelligence uh, given to us. That's just my understanding. But uh, And from, you know, your eyeballs of what happens on the court. That correct. too. Correct. Hey, dude, reference point, uh, Danny Sprinkles in his third year at Montana State. They won the league. So moving on from they that point. They looked really good doing it. Yes, they did. Uh, thanks for coming on, everyone. If you're not watching the women's game and you're watching us, jump off, watch the women's game. We're going to let Kobe Cuff play us out. Go Vandals. Go Vandals. So raise your glass and have a drink with me. Here's to the Vandals and the crowd. I'll just out there and
Part of what and only Moscow drink 